We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Twenty minutes a day. 65 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co host, Andrew Mertig. We are back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, how the heck are you? I'm doing well. Probably a little bit better than you, but you know, the we all just appreciate you toughing through a little voice problem yeah. going on. You know, you yeah. sound raspy. You sound okay, but I know that you're you're playing through pain and and that's what we appreciate yeah. about you a lot. Yeah. Tough it out, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we 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 have an exciting time, of course. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Mm. Um, we also have, uh, we are recording on Thursday night, so we are a little bit early for NFL Honors, Hall of Fame, all of those announcements. If we see anything on Twitter uh, as we are recording tonight, we probably will mention that, but uh, we're not going to give it away, and we'll, we'll let uh, Saturday's crew talk talk about it if anything controversial happens. But yeah, some some interesting hall of famers i think you start to get into the age range that i am in and it is weird to see hall of famers that you remember their entire career and (laughs) oftentimes their college career and and you know some other things um to go along with that versus when i was a kid and you know you might have had uh, a card of a player who was getting inducted to the hall of fame maybe you remember them playing for a couple years but um now it's uh, pretty much down to full careers, and uh, yeah. So um, we we know Aaron Jones up for Walter Payton Man of the Year. The Packers not competing for a lot of other awards. 
uh, going on <laughs> honors, but uh, good luck to Aaron Jones. Certainly a very, very worthy candidate there. Yeah, really, really cool, and I hope he does get that opportunity. I uh, heard some fun quotes about Jordan Love from Aaron Jones that are making the tour on social media tonight, but uh, yeah, all the luck in the world to him. Hope he lands that honor, but anything else before we just jump into the show here, Andrew, tonight? No, I don't think so. Um, if if the listeners missed our show last week, there has been a project I've wanted to do for the last couple of years, and I just never quite had time to do that. So I thought this could be an interesting topic for a few shows, and that is where do the best players at each position actually get drafted? There's certainly assumptions regarding this question, but I wanted to get actual evidence. And, you know, one way that I'm going to define great players in this activity was to just look at all pros. So I use Associated Press, Pro Football Writers of America, and Sporting News because all three of them produce a all-pro team each year. They all have first and second teams, uh, and I ended up using 2013 through 2022 as my sample, so a 10-year sample size. That's why you won't see necessarily even numbers, because on any given year, there could be different selections for each of the awarding organizations. And so, for instance, if there were three wide receivers on the first team, three wide receivers on the second, but there's only like three players that overlap amongst those six from pro football writers to sporting news to AP, you could end up with quite a few. So that's why these numbers won't necessarily coalesce from position to position. And of course, there's going to be one center first and second team versus two guards, sure, you know, sure. so on and so forth. Um, so last week we reviewed the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And we discovered that if you want an elite quarterback, you have to take him in the first round. No surprise there, but running backs really heavily lean towards the first and second rounds. I did think that that was kind of surprising. Wide receivers are first and second, but then we saw that fifth round is a surprising destination of 10 all-pro nods. And then tight ends are weird. We just know tight ends are weird, uh, <laughs> mostly in the third, to third and fifth rounds. Um, but basically, that was sort of the same player over and over and over. And so, you know, tight ends either have a, an elite one or you don't. And so my hope is that this activity answers the questions, do we need to invest a premium pick to get a great or elite player at mm. position X? Yeah, it's been a really interesting exercise, of course, when we say something like tight ends are mostly found in the third and fifth round. That doesn't mean that you'd never take them earlier than that, but it does mean that the odds of you hitting on a player at tight end in the third, fourth, fifth round are much higher than hitting on a quarterback or a running back in those rounds. It's just interesting roster building data, and that's what we love. So we're going to keep this going with a conversation about where in the draft you can find great players in the trenches. Today we're looking at offensive tackle, guard, center, defensive line, and edge. So let's go ahead and jump in and look at these players. Yeah, it it is interesting. And actually, before I even talk about tackles, I just wanted to mention, like, you think of first round picks at tight end. You have Eric Ebron or TJ Hawkinson or Noah Fant, um, you know, uh, Evan Ingram. The the list the list yeah. goes on. And many of those players are very good, but they haven't been all pros because mm -hmm. guys like Gronk, Travis Kelsey, Zach mm -hmm. Ertz, they've all dominated those awards over mm -hmm. the last 10 years. And so... 
Yeah, I mean, we're really just focused on elite players. That doesn't mean you can't get good players. You can you can mm-hmm. take a tight end in the first, and you're still going to have high expectations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, just like you said, you have a greater chance to get an elite tight end in those middle rounds. Um, but if you draft an elite tight end in the first and second round, nobody's going to care. Yeah. where they were drafted, <laughs> exactly. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they're a great player. Uh, anyways, we're going to kick it off with the offensive tackles. I am going to combine left tackle and right tackle because dividing it was going to be a monster headache for me. 31 of the all pros in the last 10 years were drafted in the first round. Okay, so 31. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about no, uh, the rest of the sample size here. Eight were taken in the second round, one in the third, six in the fourth, but... But caveat here, all six of those are David Bakhtiari. Wow. <laughs> and then in the fifth, there was one. And then there was actually two all-pro nods that were UDFAs, but both of those were Jason Peters. Okay. So about 65% of the uh, all-pro nods are, are first-rounders. 17% are second-rounders. I know we're not great at math, but that means <laughs> 82% are drafted in the first and second round. The rest made it for one season or our future Hall of Famers, David Bakhtiari, who draft experts didn't think could play tackle and Jason Peters, who was a tight end coming out of college. Uh, so the the moral of the story, take your tackles early. Yeah, absolutely. That's a wow. Right. I, I assume that quarterback might be the most top heavy of any of our positions, but tackles right up there with quarterback, right? Thirty nine of forty nine all pro tackles were first or second round picks. And I think it's interesting that every draft cycle, there's always offensive tackles who are incredibly raw, but still go really, really early in the draft. And we are usually critically, we're historically, we're critical of those picks, right, Andrew? And maybe we're learning from that mistake. But the Colton Millers, the Caleb McGarrys, the Andre Dillards, now that doesn't mean that some of those super toolsy athletic prospects don't bust, because some of them do, but it does mean that the NFL doesn't let these guys fall outside the top 50 picks, because if they hit, they're going to hit big, right? Because as Ted Thompson always said, the good Lord only made so many of these big guys. So like you said, if you want to take take a tackle, you better take one early, because that's where you're going to find the good ones. Yeah, it is always funny, especially, you know, given that we're starting to jump into draft season and you, you think about the Teron Armsteads or the Titus mm-hmm. Howards, who are just these like gigantic, insane athletic guys that no one was talking about mm-hmm. before the draft. Yeah, process, yeah, right. Yeah. Except like your 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 the the guys in the industry that are scouting players two and three years ahead of time. Nobody knew who they were. And then they just blew up and they're drafted in the first or second round because there's a finite amount of human beings yep. who are that big and can move that well. And mm-hmm. and if you don't have that, you're probably not going to make it at a, mm-hmm. an elite level at tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, the next position really surprised me, and that is guard. I assumed there would not be that many highly drafted players or at worst, it would be really evenly distributed mm. across day one, day two, day three. In mm. fact, not the case. 20 all-pro guards in the first round, seven in the second, 10 in the third. Okay. So we do see a little distribution there. But then four in the fourth, two in the fifth, and one UDFA. So mm. very little representation from day three and undrafted. Guards don't get drafted in the first round all that often, but the ones who have been tend to make up the most dominant segment mm. of guards around the league. of all pro guards are drafted in rounds one through three. So we extend that a little bit from tackle. Mm -hmm. 
So we think that you don't need to take an interior offensive lineman early, but the results actually indicate otherwise. Yeah, there's a little bit more strength further down in the draft here with the guard position. There's almost as many second and third round players when you combine them as there are first rounders, which is different than tackle, like you said, but obviously still a heavy representation by the day one picks. This is really, really interesting. I didn't know that there would be quite this much consistency here. Um, What about center when we go to the center position, Andrew? Yeah, again, surprise me a little bit. Uh, So at at center, you have 11 nods going to uh, players drafted in the first round, two in the second, two in the fifth, and then five in the sixth. But caveat there, all of those are Jason Kelsey. (laughs) Jeez. <laughs> so if you eliminate Jason Kelsey from the mix, you have 11 first round all pro nods, two in the second, two in the fifth. So I, I think interior offensive line may be a position where you can find good players mm. later. But the best of the best are getting drafted early. And 55 percent of those those are in the first round. Again, if you take out Jason Kelsey, it's significantly higher percentage than that. Now, I guess this this does bring an interesting question to the table. Is that a perception because the player was drafted high that mm-hmm. they're more deserving of these awards because the people who are voting on these awards aren't always experts in judging interior offensive line play? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's at least a possibility. Okay, before we get there, I just think we should, like, let's motion to eliminate Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey from the AP, <laughs> because if they did, there would be so much more redistribution of the wealth. They're like occupying yeah. half of the all pro votes here. This is crazy. What a, I mean, oh, did you know that they're brothers and that they're playing in the Super Bowl? Did you know that? I had not heard that. Okay. <laughs> they, somebody should do a story about they that. They should do a story about that. Yeah, 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 for sure. Dig up their long lost brother too and, you know, incorporate <laughs> him. So anyway, so no, that's a really good question. You point out, like, are these guys favored because they were taken earlier? Um, how much easier is the path to being named an All-Pro with high draft capital than if you were taken on day three? I think that's a really good question. I don't know that we'll ever know the answer. This isn't the Pro Bowl, though. This is a much more accurate way of understanding how the league values talent. But it makes sense that if you were highly regarded coming into the league, you would already be on people's radar, right? Someone who's playing just as well might not get the same benefit of the doubt as a former first-round pick. But all things considered, regardless of if we're talking offensive tackle, if we're talking guard, if we're talking center here, taking your offensive lineman early in the draft is a good practice. That's where you find the elite players. This is really interesting. Yeah. And, you know, you think back the Ryan Khalil's of of the league, right? Like he he was somebody that was on some all pro teams. Travis mm-hmm. Frederick. Um, mm-hmm. Those players were drafted in the first round. It it still is pretty unusual for a center to be picked in the first mm-hmm. round. And so when they are, a couple things are true. Number one, that means that they're going to start from day one, almost certainly. And number two, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on them. So when they do succeed, they're more likely to be recognized. But at the same token, they are that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it kind of kind of an interesting question to, to ponder there. Now we're going to flip over to defense. Um, we're going to cover just the line today. And I, I combined edge and defensive end. Th- this was kind of problematic because over the last 10 years, they sort of changed the way that they judge this. There's also some 
true edge players that are in the linebacker category, but I'm going to worry about that next week. It's starting to disaggregate. This was getting kind of complicated, but um, edge and defensive end, this is not a surprise whatsoever, but the numbers are pretty funny. So 38 of the all pro nods were players drafted in the first round. 38. 38. Three in the second, five in the third, two in the fourth, one in the sixth, one in the seventh, and two UDFAs. Mm, so wow. 73% of mm. all pro pass rushers were drafted in the first round. That is crazy. That makes me wonder, like, I mean, there's a lot of projection when you're doing draft evaluations and things like that. But it does lead you to believe that maybe maybe you can see a little bit more of the path for these edge players than you can even other positions if it's that big of a correlation between where they're taken and who ends up being those elite players. But, um, man, I thought the offensive line numbers were staggering, but this is just kind of incredible. Um, now, I think it's important to just say, of course, you can get those. We said this earlier, but, again, you can get those good players later in the draft. It's normal to get starter-level players in the third or the fourth round of the draft. But these numbers are staggering when you're considering elite players, right? If you want franchise-changing players – it sure feels like you better take that swing in the first round. And edge might be one of the best examples. Um, what about the defensive line if we go to the interior? Yeah, I thought defensive line or, or defensive tackle would be a little bit more spread out, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you've heard great defensive tackles taken later in the draft. But again, 35 taken in the first round of the all-pro mm -hmm. nod, seven in the second, one in the third, one in the fourth, three in the fifth, and one UDFA. So 73% of defensive tackles were drafted, or all pro defensive tackles were drafted in the first round, which is the same percentage as edge. Um, it's pretty pretty staggering. Yeah, that's nuts that it's the same percentage as edge. I was with you that I thought it would be, you know, at least a little bit more spread out than that. Obviously, We've gone through just these, you know, two shows. We've got one more show to do. We've got to talk about the linebackers. We've got to talk about the corners. We've got to talk about safety. But through two shows, I think it's safe to say two things, right? First, draft players early, right? This is not rocket science. Players taken higher have a much better chance to be an elite player than those taken later. Not crazy, right? But second, I think I can safely say that I think it's wise to prioritize the trenches, right? Early in the draft over skill players. Last week we saw with running backs, wide receivers who were taken in the first have a good chance of becoming great. But there's a decent chance of wide receivers and running backs taken in the second and even third rounds being just as good, right? It's still skews towards that first round, but there's more with those positions. We talked about tight ends in kind of the same way that even on day two and day three, they have a historically better chance of hitting than, you know, other positions that you would take there as well. So from what we've done so far, it seems like the priority should be take your quarterbacks, but other than quarterback, take your trench players over those skill players. And it sounds like, like, like the most Packers thing that we've ever said, because this is what people are always critical of. They won't take the skill players. They won't take the wide receivers. Uh, but it kind of shows that the data is saying maybe the best plan is to take those interior players and those trench players early. Yeah, and you and I are as guilty as anybody else of just like getting really excited about skill players yeah. and uh, you know pounding the table for that. But when you look at it, um, you know you're going to invest this high draft capital 
and you you want the biggest bang for your buck and it looks like um you know it's it's the biggest players who tend to have the biggest chance uh to to be an elite level player um you know at offensive tackle or defensive end or or defensive tackle and it sort of makes sense if you really really break it down because Devonte Adams can be an all-world wide receiver. Cooper Cup can be an all-world wide receiver. They're not the fastest guys. They aren't necessarily the strongest guys, although I would argue that they're some of the stronger wide receivers in the game, but they're so technically savvy. They have a lot of intangibles, tremendous hands, those kind of things that aren't always super observable um, in the pre-draft process. Like We knew they they were projected to be good players, but we didn't know that they would be great elite future hall of famer kind of players for the big guys you know there's a certain level of size strength speed quickness that is so easily identifiable and without that you can't be successful that doesn't mean you won't be a bust right we know tons of tackles and defensive ends defensive defensive tackles that have been busts but very few players excel at like a future hall of fame or an all pro level without those baseline things and you just you mentioned it earlier you can't get those things outside of the first or second round almost ever we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, absolutely. It's totally true. I mean, it just goes to show you how important it is. You know, don't think you can trade down. I mean, you should do that when you need to acquire those assets, but go ahead and take your swings early if that's what you need to do. Okay. Yeah. I've I've got a little interjection here because I think it's really oh. interesting. And yes. we're about to jump into some draft stuff. It's not Packers related, so calm down a little bit. But I think this is really interesting. They just announced that the winner of the Offensive Rookie of the Year – is Garrett Wilson, and the winner of the t- defensive rookie of the year is Sauce Gardner. So the Jets get both the offensive and defensive rookie of the year. I think that's incredible just to think about 
the draft class that they had and the impact of just one rookie class can have on a team and the turnaround there as this team is kind of an up and coming crew. But just just kind of amazing that they were able to take home both awards. Yeah, that is really interesting. And and honestly, um, as somebody who had money on Brees Hall winning offensive rookie oh, of the year, he was on, he was on yeah. on his way before right. uh, the ACL injury to potentially do that. And you you think about uh, Jermaine Johnson and the impact he had, and um, you know some of the other other players that you know even like a Zonovan Knight. Uh-huh. That that is a class that is going to have major repercussions on that team. Maybe not as good as the the Saints draft class that they had with Ramchek and Lattimore and Kamara yeah. and those other guys, <laughs> but it, it could be really close to that that kind of impact. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's going to be can really under- helpful for Aaron Rodgers when he's the quarterback <laughs> back of the team next year. <laughs> but like, isn't it exciting, right? Like that was a team that a year ago you, you're like, ah, they're, they're probably a couple of years away yeah, from being right. a couple of years away. Yeah. Uh, and instead here they are as a, a legit competitor and maybe a quarterback away from really competing in that division. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I just wanted to throw something out there and this is kind of a hypothetical sort of thing and you know we've had our fun for this week but without Packer playoff football I tend to think of some weird things there's some weird scenarios that pop up and and let's say we'll go down the hypothetical path that the Packers do make a trade to send Aaron Rodgers somewhere else for 2023 we don't know the compensation yet right kind of all over the place. Some people think maybe it's one first round pick. Some people think it's a first and second. Some people think it's a first, second, future first, maybe a second, throw in a player. Who knows? We're all we're all out here dreaming. But let's assume that at least one 23 first round pick comes back. And and this pick could be something like number seven, number 13, right? We, we know who's been throwing these around. So for this scenario, let's say the Packers get pick number seven from the Raiders. So they have seven and 15. I'm not going to count whatever they have later because that (laughs) just gets people upset what do you think of a scenario where the Packers trade back in both situations to picks in the early to mid 20s they pick up a future 2024 first round pick potentially giving them three firsts in 24 because you know maybe the Raiders do throw in a 24 first so at worst it's two two firsts next year Mm -hmm. maybe it's three firsts and an additional second and third in 2023, mm-hmm. right? Because the Packers are moving back twice there. Right, right. I still think you can get two good players. Cornerbacks deep, wide receivers deep, tackle seems deep. I think that's where we'll start to see some of the safeties coming off the board in that 20s range. Mm-hmm. But now you start to set yourself up for huge assets in the future, the same way the Eagles and Dolphins have done in recent history. Mm. Yeah, and I think people may think like, hey – who gives up a future first, like, to move up? And, you know, I don't know if the Packers are going to be in range that they'll be in quarterback land. Maybe that seven pick is. But, I mean, you think back, that's the Jair Alexander deal, right? Like, when the mm-hmm. Packers traded back, they were able to get that extra first for, you know, just sliding back. And then they were able to, you know, move up to get him. So, it's not crazy to think that a team would give up a future first. It's happened. Um, but it is going to be fascinating to see what the Packers do if this Aaron Rodgers trade does go down. Because, I can see them wanting to trade up um, for an impact pass rusher. Maybe they're just out of range there, but they think that they could get up uh, for someone that they really covet there. Uh, We just talked about how those elite edge players don't grow on trees. So if they're in range, that could happen. But I really do like this option to trade down. 
It's interesting because the Packers' biggest needs on paper are tight end, safety, edge, wide receiver. Now, the best edge rushers are going to go high, but the early to mid-20s might be that sweet spot for these other positions, right? People have mentioned Brian Branch, right? But we've seen safeties fall a little bit in recent drafts. We've mentioned Michael Mayer uh, a little bit earlier. Maybe 15 is rich uh, for him, but if he's on the board in the 20s, you feel better about the value there. And people are wondering if guys like Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison might fall into those 20 range. So especially considering the positions the Packers might be looking to target, I can totally see trading down makes a ton of sense and may, helps them capitalize on value for sure. Yeah, and maybe there's a prospect that they absolutely fall in love with, right? Like I see a lot of like Tyree Wilson, who's an edge rusher out of Texas Tech, really, really fun guy. And maybe the Packers just say, okay, we we really believe this guy yeah. is going to be elite. Let's throw him across from Rashawn Gary for the yeah. next 10 years and, and just prosper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you're not sold that a guy is a truly elite player at seven and you get a trade deal, maybe, you know, Will Levis slides, maybe, uh, you know, CJ Stroud, whoever, one of the quarterback slides and the team wants to jump up from the late teens even. It doesn't even have to be a pick in the 20s to come up. They're probably going to be willing to part with a future one. Uh, we saw the Bears move up fewer spots than that to get um, Justin Fields and give up a future first. And I, I definitely think that a team uh, would be willing to do that. And I love the idea of trading down, collecting future assets, and then you can make some really interesting decisions. Do you want to use some of those future assets to go out and acquire a proven p- commodity, right? The mm-hmm. Eagles did just that with AJ yeah. Brown. We've seen the Dolphins throwing draft picks around to acquire players like Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb. And yeah. and you can do that when you have multiple draft assets. And I, I just just my personal opinion, I haven't fallen in love with anybody who's going to be available in that 7 to 13 range enough yeah. to not justify moving down a little bit and then mm-hmm. collecting even more resources. So that was just something that, you know, floated through my mind, thought thought we could talk about quick. And um, we've been closing the shows uh, the last couple of weeks talking about draft prospects. I know this is our uh, favorite yeah. <laughs> time of the year where we get to to really dive into some draft prospects. And I, I think we're both talking about somebody who's going to go on day two today, yeah. which is exciting when you finally get past that. Like everybody knows who these guys are um, and you, <laughs> you get to dive a little bit deeper. And, and my player for this week is cornerback Clark Phillips, the third out of Utah. I tweeted about him twice this week, in fact. So uh, if you do follow me on Twitter, sorry, this could be a little redundant. But he is going to, uh, Phillips is going to get my Jair Jair Alexander Award for this season. He's undersized. The the projections say he's like 5'10", 185. But man, he plays with a lot of impact. He's fast. He's quick. He's got great ball skills. Like, great. Uh, there's just a ton of anticipatory interceptions pick sixes he displays tremendous recovery speed he is best in man i i really do think he could be very good as an outside corner some team is going to absolutely fall head over heels for him in the slot i think he can play both he's instinctive enough in zone but he does have a lack of length right a little bit shorter corner um, that can become an issue at times getting to players that might be over the top of him in his zone. He's a very willing hitter and tackler. 
there's times when he struggles getting off blocks and tackling bigger, stronger players, but there are some absolute blow-up plays where he beats the blocker with quickness and then absolutely sticks somebody. I'm thinking of Jair Alexander pushing Adam Thielen back into yeah, Stephon. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's some of that nastiness and edge to this guy. Like, he's little, but he doesn't play like it. And, like, sign me up for adding this dude to your locker room. There are some swagger plays where, like, after the play, he's strutting around, putting his hand on his hips, standing over people. Not mm. in a getting a penalty way, but, like, in a really fun, um, you know, enthusiastic kind of way. And th- there was just a lot on tape that reminded me of watching Jair. Well, that's really fun. I have not watched Clark Phillips III yet, so I'm excited to get there. Um, but I'm excited to hearing you talk about him because I think that there's another element here that's going to be interesting for the Packers. If they were to add a player who could play outside, inside corner, you know, that really frees up Jair to be so much more diverse and feeling like you don't have to, you know, it just depending, you could put him on the best player of the opposite team. And I think that there was criticism there from the defensive coordinator perspective. But when you're talking about players who feel comfortable in the slot, Jair's probably the best guy on the team with you got some other guys who feel more like that they're more that perimeter player for the Packers right now. So getting someone like Phillips, it sounds like could be a solution to that. So that's kind of interesting. I'm excited to to get into his film here soon. Um, I'm going to talk about Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver from SMU. So sometimes my favorite way, Andrew, to fall in love with a player is when you go into film watching not expecting to like them. You just He's on the list, so you've got to watch him, but you kind of feel like you know what you're going to get when you get in there. But then when you actually start watching, you're kind of blown away because you actually like the player. And that's what happened to me with Rice. Uh, first, Rice is six foot tall. Now, people thought he was going to be six foot two, six foot three. And so when he measured in just a shade above six foot and only 200 pounds, at the Senior Bowl, I, th- I think a lot of people were disappointed that he wasn't a bigger receiver. And I saw a lot of people talking about how he struggles to separate. And I do see that concern. And I'm not sure quite yet how to knock him for that. Um, they're in a, absolutely different tiers as prospects. So I don't want to say this in a way that's cavalier. But the same thing was said about Jamar Chase coming out. And I was really, really hard on Chase for that reason. And I regret that. It's just players win in different ways, and so you don't want to hold that against them if it's not their game. So it's important to remember things like that. Guys, they're just going to have their different way of winning. That's just the bottom line. But for me, there's so much more good than bad on tape for a player like Rice. It's hard not to be excited about him as a prospect. He's a good route runner. He's good after the catch. But what stuck out to me watching him were his hands. Um, He has some concentration drops on tape for sure. But the highlight reel catches are everywhere with this guy. He often catches through contact, which you love. Uh, You could even say that he's an acrobat at the catch point sometimes. He contorts to get the ball, which really shouldn't be catchable at certain points. So uh, he's just a natural at tracking the ball, flashing those late hands even to make a catch. So lots of things you love. Things that concern you with Rice, in in addition to the occasional drop, there it is, Um, he's got good, but you wouldn't say he has great speed, right? I would expect that he's going to run somewhere in the four, five, five, maybe four, six range. Um, and he's got to develop that route tree just a little bit more. But one of the reasons I think the Packers might love Rasheed Rice, he's a stud as a blocker, man. There are several highlights of him just absolutely eliminating defensive backs in the running game. So if the Packers lose Alan uh, Lazard 
in free agency and they pass on a wide receiver, say, in the first round, I can totally see them going after someone like Rice as a nice replacement to someone like Lazard with maybe a little bit more of a well-rounded skill set as well. So he's good enough to be your number two, maybe number three wide receiver, and he gives you that inside-outside versatility. Pick 45 in the second might be a little bit rich where the Packers are, uh, so we'll see how he tests, if he could get up that high, but he's definitely someone who's going to be gone before the Packers pick in the third round. So I don't know if they'd be interested as high as the second, but I struggled with the comp, Andrew. Um, I, I just haven't found anything that I like for Rice. Um, I know that a friend of the podcast, Joe Marino, comped him to Chris Godwin. Um, I don't think he has the same juice and speed as Godwin. Godwin ran like a 4.38, and I would be shocked if that happened. But uh, I thought of someone like Juju or A.J. Brown as a stylistic play. He's much smaller than those guys, so I'm still kind of looking for that comp. So if you guys on Twitter have one, uh, hit me up. I'd love to know what your comp is for Rishi Rice if you watched him. But really is a player that I came to like, and I didn't expect to at all. Yeah, I watched Rishi Rice this week, too. And what I found interesting was what I didn't like about Quinton Johnston that I talked about in last week's show was he was always either wide open Mm. or they would throw just like a, a... underthrown deep ball and Johnson would just go up and reach over the defender yep, and grab yep, it. Yeah. And there's there's sort of a knack to think like, okay, that's a great skill to have. Yeah. I just don't think that that's very reproducible in the NFL unless you're Randy Moss, right? Maybe yeah. Terrell Owens. Like it's just it's not something that people can do because the corners are just too good of athletes. So unless you are a freak show in like the 0.1 percentile mm-hmm. of, of athletes it's not going to yeah. happen so what i look for is how are you in contested catching situations mm-hmm. um and rasheed rice is phenomenal yeah, in yeah, the situation yeah. so if you're not able to separate um at the college level that's a problem rasheed yeah. rice had times where he separated mm-hmm. but there were also times where either he was thrown into coverage mm-hmm. or you know the route uh, required him to to go into some traffic, and he made a lot of yeah. You you said acrobatic catches. I agree. I really liked his play style. Mm. Um, he's going to come away with probably a, a second round grade for me, depending mm. on you know how he tests will impact whether he goes up or down from there. How about this for a cop? It just okay. popped into my okay. head as we were sitting here. Give it to me. And I I like I I try really hard not to make all Packers related mm. comps. But in this case, I'll make an exception. What Tyree about James Hill? Jones? What? James Jones. Man. Kind of in that 4-5, four, 4-6 yeah. four, range. Great contested catcher. Really physical blocker. Maybe not the hands. James Jones coming in the league had pretty good hands. They got better as he, he developed as a pro. Um, don't know if Rishi is, is there yet. Oh, but. man. So I, our producer's working hard over here. James Jones, 6'1", 208 pounds. That's not far from where we're at. Like, I mean, obviously, it's there's a lot more stylistically here. But, I, I, yeah, I've had a hard time finding someone who's light enough in his weight to, to get into the place where you would comp him. But, yeah, I don't think that that's totally crazy. Like, I think that James Jones is a great player, but kind of a limited role, right, um, and what you probably expect him to play in your offense. Yeah. Um, and J- James Jones went in the third round. I think yeah. that's kind of where we see Rasheed Rice, that like yeah. late second, third, third round. 
Now, the one thing I will say, it's been a minute since I watched James Jones, so this is not me pouring, you know, hate on James Jones. But Rasheed Rice has a little bit of wiggle after the catch. And it's not like we're not talking jitterbug, but we're talking like you can get him the ball on like a slant and expect that he's going to pick up a good little bit after the catch. And I don't know that I would say the same about Jones. So, but I like that. I like, the, yeah, Jones, Jones rack came from being physical, right? Right. Breaking right. tackles that way. And right. I think Rishi Rice has a little bit of that, but yeah, you're, you're right. There's probably a little bit more twitch there. Maybe just a little bit, but man, I like that. It's the best one I got. So I'll go with it. So uh, one, one quick note looks like uh, Justin Jefferson was named the AP offensive player of the year. Is this where we play like really sad music? Are you gonna like it? <laughs> I uh, I will say I uh, had Justin Jefferson as the number eleven oh, player in that draft class. So, so. bad, we loved um, him so much. Yeah, if you if you want to go ahead and throw that out there. Anyways, yeah. uh, before we go today, <laughs> any thoughts on uh, this game on Sunday? Is there a game on Sunday? There is. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah the 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 Super Bowl the that big one? game. <laughs> The big game because yeah, we, we're not. We really don't have the rights. Yeah, the big game. Yeah, no, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a game. Um, they're gonna play it, and the Packers aren't in it. Um, no, I mean, these are. It's gonna be really fun, right? Like this is a game of, with a ton of talent, two great quarterbacks, a lot of offensive firepower. I think it could be a really entertaining game to watch. Um, I'm torn about who to root for in this game. I think we've seen the Chiefs do it. I don't really like the antics of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. And maybe it's just the the Tom Brady like thing is starting to build there where they're just the team that you don't want to keep seeing repeat. Um, but I might I might find myself rooting for the Eagles and pulling for, uh, you know, A.J. Brown was a big guy of mine coming up in the draft. So I'd like to see him, you know, get a win. And uh, it's fun to root for those guys. But you're shaking your head at me. So. Uh, tell me why the Chiefs are going to be <laughs> the win this game. It's disgusting to me that you root for an NFC team, but um, no, <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, we can we can cheer for MVS. Yeah, that's like true. that. Andy Reid, former Packer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to like in Kansas mm-hmm. City. I, I think you know, on paper, the Eagles are a better team, yeah. but the ultimate equalizer in the game of football is having the better quarterback and yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes is significantly better than Jalen Hurts. Mm. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. I think he's a average to good quarterback who's surrounded by an incredible amount of talent. Mm. And if the Chiefs can find a way to make him into a pocket passer, which is way easier said than done, sure. I think I think there's a chance. Um, now, I am a little terrified of the Chiefs' very, very young secondary going to yeah. go up against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard and all mm-hmm. the weapons that they have at running back. That offensive line of the Eagles has the chance to completely take over the game. Mm. Um, so I think it'll be a good one. I, I I think this is a game where we could see one of the teams get out to a pretty significant like two or three score lead and then it close really fast. Yeah, right, right. And end up with like a barn burn at the end when yeah. <laughs> like half the people have turned the, the game off post Rihanna. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I, I think it'll be really interesting. I, if I had to make a prediction, I say the Chiefs eke one out um, in what I would consider to be a mild upset. But yeah. any any prediction? 
Yeah, no, this, I, I think I agree with you that it feels like the Chiefs are going to win this game, even though they are technically the underdog, which is crazy to me because it's just that like it's that Brady factor of all the years that he played in the Super Bowls where it just feels like they're not technically the favorite. Maybe they're not the best roster, but there's a lot going on there with the offense, with the coaching, where it just feels like they are the Super Bowl experience team. I do think that the Chiefs probably win this football game. But I, this is probably one of my favorite Super Bowl matchups in recent memory outside of like what I would hope that my team is in it. Um, but man, it, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. And obviously tons and tons of off season news upcoming from the pack a day podcast. So please keep tuned. Once we emerge from four days of darkness, uh, <laughs> we may have an answer on the Aaron Rodgers saga. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Punnett. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate us. Uh, you're, you subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform really, really helps us out. Also, make sure that you, you can uh, stay in touch with us and all that's happening this offseason. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back with more offseason conversation. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.